Good morning, everybody. We've had a, a New Testament reading. Let's just have some verses from the Old Testament, from the first book of Samuel, chapter 18. And uh, I'm going to read verses 1 to 16. 1 Samuel, chapter 18, verses 1 to 16. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and flutes. As they danced, they sang... Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him. And gave him command over a thousand men. David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. May God bless to us the reading of his word. Thank you for uh, your warm welcome back here to Coypen Mine. Uh, it's always lovely to come and visit you. And uh, when I hear sometimes uh, these lovely welcomes from a church, it reminds me of the story of the preacher who was welcomed. And uh, the secretary who was welcoming, the preacher said, we couldn't get a better preacher. And then said, we did try. We're going to be thinking this morning about jealousy. And I've spent uh, the week researching what the Bible has to say about jealousy. Uh, In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is kana. And in the New Testament, zeloos, zelus. And uh, just some short definitions before we we get into. It's going to be more of a Bible study than an exposition of a passage. Uh, Just some definitions, the similarities and differences between jealousy and envy. 
uh, are fascinating. In one sense, jealousy, uh, jealous and envy, being envious, uh, can often be two sides of the same coin. Okay, like the head and the tails. Jealous is when you have something, you don't want to share it with somebody else. Envious is when somebody else has something and you want what they've got. And while often in our English language, uh, when we're envious, we say we're jealous. I was jealous because they had this or they had that. Actually, there is a difference and it makes a difference. We need to recognize this difference because God can be jealous, but he's never envious because he's got everything. I'll explain a bit more about this in a moment, okay? Are you ready for this? We're going to think a little bit more deeply this morning. Is that all right? Uh, God can be jealous, but he can't be envious. So while often we mix up jealousy and envy, uh, there is actually a difference. The other thing I, I want us to, to notice is that the word jealous and the word zealous are very similar, aren't they? Uh, on the screen, you can see there's only one letter difference. And actually, it's because they come from uh, the same root in the Greek language, zelous. Zelous. From which we get zealous, jealous. It's being passionate about something. It's being grabbed by a desire for something. And with jealousy, that can be a bad thing. While with zeal, it can be a good thing. Okay, so I want us to, to notice those things before we get into this. And this morning, I want to tell you about the good, the bad, and the ugly of jealousy. Have you got that? That's my three points. That's where we're going. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So first of all, uh, I just want to bring out a key verse from the Song of Songs, or the Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 6. For love is as strong as death, it's jealousy. Jealousy has its root in love. But it could be a pure love or an impure love. Jealousy has its root in love. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. So there is something passionate about this love, which can be pure or impure. And uh, what the Bible, I believe, is saying to us there is that we need to, to guard our hearts. Because fire, we can have the picture up of fire, Fire is a power which, if it's used in the right way, is tremendous. It generates light and heat and warmth. It can be used for creativity. It's a good thing. If you go home and your boiler isn't working, it's because the fire's gone out. So fire can be a good thing in the right place, at the right time, and under controlled environment. But if that fire is in the wrong place, at the wrong time, it can burn your house down and take your life. And it is the same with the things that we get passionate about, those things that we love. If we have them channeled in the right way, they can be beneficial. If we don't channel them, if we let them loose, if they are out of control, they can do a tremendous amount of damage. You with me? 
So be careful what you love. And how you love. Because out of that love comes the, the things that we're passionate about. Jealousy can be good, bad, or ugly. First of all, I want to talk about good jealousy. And here's a surprise. God is jealous. God is jealous. Did you know that? As I was uh, researching this this week, it took me a little bit by surprise. I hadn't really noticed this. But if you know the Bible very well, you look and listen to Exodus 34 and verse 14. It says, do not worship any other God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Surprised me. I always thought of jealousy as a bad thing. But here we see jealousy can be a good thing because God is always good. Therefore, there must be a good source of jealousy. And what it is saying here in this verse is that God loves you and I so much he doesn't ever want to let us go. That's a good thing. It's from that love that Jesus came, wasn't it? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And just in case you think this is about the Old Testament God, we find exactly the same in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 10, 22. Paul writing to the Corinthians about the worship of idols within Corinth. He said, are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? So it's not an Old Testament God against the New Testament God. It's the same God all the way through the Bible. God is a jealous God. In fact, it says his name is Jealous. It's not one of the ones I've often used in prayer. You know, God Redeemer, um, you know, Sovereign, Creator, Jealous. He is passionate about us. He feels hurt when we love something or someone else more than we love him. Idolatry, yes? But when we love something or someone other than God, it breaks his heart. And the word that the Bible uses says, God's jealous, he feels it. The Apostle Paul also talks about a healthy or godly kind of jealousy in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. Paul writes to the church of Corinth, he says, I'm jealous for you. With a godly jealousy. Wow! Well, I, I was first given this topic and said, when you come to Coypen, mind talk about jealousy, I thought we were going to be hammering away at sin. And here, I, I, I see first of all that there is a godly jealousy. Paul says, I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. He's talking about having a pure love for God uh, and not having it made impure by our love for anything, any other person, any other possession, any other position, whatever it might be. We must love nothing more than we love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and your strength and your neighbor as yourself. It comes out of love. God wants us to love him and put him first. There is a healthy jealousy and there ought to be a healthy and godly jealousy within the church. That we must love each other. Be jealous for each other. 
care so much about each other that we miss each other. Don't want to let anybody backslide or slip away from God. There's a, a lovely old tale. I wonder if you've viewed this tale about two men who uh, crashed their plane in the middle of the Caribbean and ended up on a desert island. And there was some fresh water there and some uh, bananas and coconuts and things like that. So they had something to eat, but they really wanted to go home. And one of the men, after they hadn't been rescued after a few days, began to get worried. Will anybody ever come and rescue us? The other man said, don't worry about it. Someone will be along soon. And his friend said, well, how do you know? And he said, well, I'm a Christian. He said, what difference does that make? Have you been praying? He said, well, not only have I been praying. He says, but in my church, I share on the leadership. I tithe in the collection. I take part in prayer ministry. I go to a house group. If I'm not in church for the next two Sundays, my pastor will find me. Don't just leave it up to the pastor. Sometimes the pastor is incredibly busy. So have a little look around this morning. Who's not here? Do you love them? And not want them to drift? Or to feel that they're not missed? That they're not wanted or loved? Are you jealous for them with a godly jealousy? You see where I'm going with this? Is there somebody that maybe this afternoon you need to give a little ring to or push a note through their door or try to see through the week because there is that godly jealousy for them. You want them to be with you. Not only are we to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, but we are to love others. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another As I've loved you. Godly jealousy. Is that interesting? Okay. We've heard the good. Let's go on to the bad. Oh, here we go. Selfish jealousy is a sin. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, which was read for us earlier. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord. There's our guy, jealousy. Then fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. The other side of the coin, different word in the Greek. They are different. Okay? God can be jealous, but he can never be envious. Nobody's got anything that God wants. Okay? But God doesn't want to give up those that he loves to the world and to false teaching. Paul goes on to talk about drunkenness, orgies and the like. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this in the sinful jealousy will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sinful jealousy is a sin. It's possessive and over-possessive. It stops people being what they are meant to be. It is restrictive. It is insecure, suspicious, carries resentment, and leads to other terrible actions. If you look at other people and you ever say, who do they think they are? Then you are judging them sinfully out of a jealous, envious nature. 
it can be so sneaky. This bad jealousy creeps up on us. In our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. So we end up doing things to put other people down because it makes us feel that little bit higher and better. There was a a, a classic example yesterday. I was watching the rugby. Did you see Wales play Georgia? And towards the end of the match, the Georgian scrum was pushing the Welsh back. Uh, And then a Welsh player got a yellow card and got sent off. And all of a sudden, when they should have been sending another prop forward on, two of the Welsh props were inexplicably too injured to come back onto the match. Oh, I'm sure one of them must have had a headache. And the other a sore throat or something. Because whereas Georgia Scrum probably would have got a penalty try and the match would have been drawn, the Welsh couldn't put any prop forwards in, so it had to be passive scrums, no pushing. And instead they went for a line-out and Wales managed to win. But you know, even though the scoreline will go down that Wales won the match, Georgia had the moral victory. Wales were jealously guarding their try line. And I think they went too far. Now, that's a, a rugby... I'm a watch rugby fan, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm a chaplain of a rugby team. I chaplain Bridgend Ravens rugby team. Uh, so uh, I watch rugby almost every week, go to the training as well. But I think sometimes, you know, it's become now so much of a business, so much money involved, uh, you know, that uh, employment and everything can, can count. It's not a game any longer, it's a business. And has crept into that, that little bit of sinfulness. And I know France did it to Wales a few years ago when they wouldn't put a prop on when the Welsh... Okay, Uh, you can talk about this later, okay? Don't let me get carried away with the rugby now. But uh, it was so, so telling that we didn't do the right thing. We weren't honest so that we could, you know, keep somebody else back for our own advantage and position. But listen, it's not just in rugby. I've seen it sometimes in churches where people are possessive of a position, where they're jealous of other people's gifts and abilities, where they want to stop people doing things for God because they do that. That's my job. Who do they think they are? So that new Christians aren't allowed to develop their gifts because those who've been in the church for so many years won't let them. Breaks my heart. Some of the things I've seen as a Christian over many years, and it's not just in the church, but it can be in the family, it can be in the workplace, it can be in the community, that out of jealousy to hold on to a position or a possession, we knock others back, put them down, so that we can raise ourselves up. It's bad, bad jealousy. Paul talks about it in Romans 13 and verses 13 and 14. He says, let us behave decently. As in the daytime, as people living in the light. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. 
Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. When your sinful nature begins to scream out, who do they think they are? I'm better than them. Those are the moments, says Paul, when you need to grab a hold of yourself and make sure that Jesus is Lord of your life in every part of your life. That's the clue here. That's the antidote to jealousy is the Lordship of Christ. Is Jesus your Lord? Everybody wants Jesus as Savior. Jesus also wants to be Lord. I'm not asking now, are you saved? I'm asking, are you being obedient to his commands and his teaching? Is Jesus Lord? We need to learn through the word and the spirit to bring our thoughts and our attitudes and our passions, those things that burn like a fire inside us, under the control and the lordship of Jesus Christ. We need to watch ourselves. Whether it's at home, at work, or in church, or in the community. It is that area of our sinful nature that the devil uses to tempt us into sinful actions. We need to get to deal with the root, deal with the desire, and be transformed and renewed by the Lord Jesus Christ through his word and his spirit. Which means when we recognize that we're being jealous, that we stop and pray. Oh Lord, help me to know I don't need to be envious of that other person because you will give me all I need to do the things that you want me to do. Lord, forgive me that I, I'm, I'm, I'm so feeding my ego by this position or thing that I'm doing that I won't give anybody else a chance. Forgive me. We need, to, we need to take hold of these things. We need to notice these things. And we need to bring them under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That in the church, everybody's valuable. So we've been thinking about the bad. Jealousy, the good, the bad, and the ugly. What happens if we don't bring those passions under the control and the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Well, if we allow the sinful selfishness that creates jealousy to take root in our heart and our minds, it will lead us through insecurity and suspicion uh, and uh, other uh, resentment to actions which have terrible consequences for ourselves and for others. Very bad things happen when we let that fire loose. You can see it in the New Testament. You see it against Christians, but also through those who say they believe in God. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, chapter 5 and verse 17, a high priest and all the associates who were members of the party of the Sadducee were filled with jealousy. This is against Peter, James, and John. They arrested the apostles and put them in prison. The, the wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. In our church, we've been working on a phrase that I've been asking the congregation to remember. Beliefs shape behavior. What you believe will shape what you do. Beliefs shape behavior. 
And if you believe you're better than somebody else, if you believe somebody else is a threat to you, if you believe that somebody else shouldn't be allowed to be rewarded or encouraged because it makes you feel jealous, then that wrong belief will start to show in the way you treat these people. Start to lose your temper, start to get angry, start to cause fights, quarrels. Uh, and eventually, on, on a bigger national scale, it leads to wars, doesn't it? You can see it also, Paul, in Acts thirteen forty-five. says, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, talked abusively against what Paul is saying. When somebody else is being successful, if you were jealous, you'll find fault. You'll criticize. You'll want to manipulate their failure to make you look good. And that leads to all sorts of terrible consequences. If you, uh, if we had time, and uh, we'd gone through the Bible, we can see time after time the Bible gives us very clear and dramatic uh, illustrations of this. Uh, the first and the worst is obviously the jealousy of Satan. Uh, if you know the scriptures and know uh, Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, that, that Satan was jealous of the Lord and wanted to be where he was in the throne. And out of that pride and jealousy, uh, he rebelled against God. And that rebellion led to him being cast out. Rebellion comes from jealousy. I want the power you've got. I want the position you've got. I think I can do it better than you. Who do you think you are telling me when I should be telling you? And it goes right back to that. Was, was Eve jealous in the Garden of Eden? If you have this fruit, you'll know good and evil like God. Do you see it? And the, the thought, I can be better than I am. Uh, and wanting something that wasn't meant for her and for humanity. Men don't blame the woman. Adam shouldn't have listened, should he? So he's just as culpable. But that desire beyond God's will, jealousy, envy, grasping, and right through the, the book of, of Genesis, particularly, we could talk about Cain and Abel. We've got the next picture, Cain and Abel. Uh, uh, and I always remember this one, Cain wanted to be like his brother, but he wasn't Abel. Oh, come on, the old ones are the best. Cain wanted to be like his brother, but he wasn't Abel. Uh, I've seen people push themselves into positions that they're not capable of because they're jealous of other people. Uh, be careful that you don't go beyond God's will for you because you want the attention or uh, the praise that someone else is getting for using their gifts and abilities. Uh, it's jealousy. And it leads to so much evil. What happened? Cain killed Abel, didn't he? Because of his jealousy. 
Uh, and you can you can go on in the Bible. You can talk about Agar and Isaac and uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. Or what about Joseph and his brothers? When Joseph had the multicolour coat and all the others were jealous. So what did they do? Took it off him. Sold him into slavery. Because it had taken over their heart and started to corrupt their the corrupt thoughts began to corrupt their actions. We've got the next picture. I think it should be. No, that's that's uh, that's King David coming back. Uh, go, let's go back one, two to David, and before that one, that's the one, King David, uh, before he was king when he'd uh, conquered Goliath, and uh, came back, and the women were singing from one Samuel eighteen. You know, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And Saul is there listening and he's thinking, he'll be king before long if I don't do something. David was never jealous of Saul. Touch not the Lord's anointed, he said. If God has put him in that position, I'm not going to do anything against him. Touch not the Lord's anointed. That's where that phrase comes from. But Saul was jealous of David. And because of that jealousy, the devil got in. And the Bible says the next day, an evil spirit from God, God allowed the devil to enter into a man who was, had been King Saul, so filled with the spirit that he had the gift of prophecy gift of prophecy. He was a spirit-filled Christian who allowed jealousy to give the devil a doorway into his heart and into his life so that he got so jealous of David. Not only was David such a good soldier and a warrior, but he could sing and play the harp as well. So you know what David did? Next picture. As he was playing the harp, Saul threw the spear at him and tried to kill him. See how jealousy had started to, to overcome? And in the Bible, you have this beautiful contrast that Saul's son, Jonathan, didn't have an impure love. He had a pure love for David. So he made a covenant with him. He gave him his sword. He gave him his tunic. He gave him his royal clothing. He treated him like royalty because he could see he had gifts and abilities. And he didn't hold him back. But he encouraged and supported David to become everything that he could be. And one of the the beautiful things of the Bible is that many years later when Jonathan was dead and Saul was dead and David was king, he found one of Jonathan's crippled sons, Mephibosheth. And he treated him like his own. Beautiful, beautiful picture of grace and mercy, and the graciousness and the mercy that we should show others because of the grace and mercy that God has given us. It's never too late to turn around. It may be as we're talking about this this morning, you realize that you've been really nasty to some people because of jealousy or envy. It's never too late to change. Never too late To come to God in repentance and faith. To receive forgiveness. And to begin that transformation that comes when his Holy Spirit is at work within you. And I'm talking now not for those just who have never become Christians before. But for us who are Christians too. 
Saul was filled with the spirit and prophesying. Christians can backslide. And it's jealousy and envy that so often causes so much damage in the church. Let me tell you a, a, a story from the Good News newspaper. But a man named David Boyce. And David was a violent criminal. Prison five times for his violent behaviour. His stories in the Good News newspaper in October. And then God spoke to him one day and said, You need to listen to me now. Either listen to me now or that's it. He said, when he spoke to me, it was a week after I'd gone out with a long-term associate on a criminal enterprise. I was up to my neck in all sorts of stuff, and I thought, I'm sick of this violence. I could feel my soul dying. I said to the Lord, I'm tired of this. He was trying to get money and power and position and influence through his lifestyle, and it wasn't satisfying because it doesn't satisfy. Contentment comes through knowing your Lord and being in his will. You'll not be content anywhere else. That's why being jealous of someone or envious of someone not going to satisfy you. He says, I'm still a work in progress, but it freaked a lot of people out when I became a Christian. I was tough and controlling and people feared me. It shocked them when I changed and they didn't understand. The biggest mistake people make is believing the devil when he says you cannot be forgiven. He torments you. Can we move on to the next picture? He torments you. God is not like that. He came through Jesus to save and not condemn, to forgive. The cross Jesus died on says it all about his love for us. If he didn't want to save you, do you think he would have let himself be crucified on the cross? We can't measure the kind of love God has for us. People are reaching out for drugs, crime, materialism, looking for one thing that satisfies. But a lot of people don't understand where that one thing is. But this is where it is. It's Jesus. But here's the thing that I want to keep saying to Christians. It's not enough to say, Jesus, forgive me and be my savior. As well as having him as your savior, you've got to make him Lord. So how do we respond to God's word this morning? Let's look at our lives. Is there jealousy and envy there? Is there bitterness and resentment to someone? Are we holding on to positions or possessions or something that God wants us to let go of? Are we holding others back to make ourselves look good? Or are we grasping to push ourselves forward to make ourselves look good? Look at our lives. And then look at the cross. See how much God loves you. See what Jesus suffered so that you and I could be forgiven. 
come again to the cross. Come and kneel there at the cross. Kneel at his feet in humility. Say, Father, yes, I've been tempted. Been times when I've been jealous, envious, been zealous for the wrong things, defended my position. Lord, forgive me. If you're not yet a Christian, I encourage people to, to pray this prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer. Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner and need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ died in my place, paying the penalty for my sins. I'm willing right now to turn from my sin and accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. And in my church, I keep stressing that second bit. Savior and Lord. I commit myself to you and ask you to send the Holy Spirit into my life to fill me and take control and to help me become the kind of person you want me to be. Thank you, Father God, for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, then take those words and make them your own, even now in the in the silence of your, your heart, with your eyes open, in your minds, pray that prayer to God, and you can become a, a Christian through praying a prayer like that right now. If you're a Christian, you might want to take some of the phrases of that prayer and pray it again today. To renew and refresh your relationship with God under his lordship. Let's deal with our jealousy. There's good. God's love. And when we love each other as God loves us. It's good jealousy. There's bad jealousy when we start to protect ourselves or, or want what God doesn't want us to have. And there's ugly jealousy when that attitude causes us to do some nasty things. Let's come to God in prayer. Just want to give that opportunity. I know you've had this opportunity already. But for us to examine our lives. And in the silence, do some business with God. If you've been jealous, unnecessarily suspicious, critical and putting people down, unfairly, unjustly, ask God's forgiveness. If you've gone further and you've said something nasty or done something nasty. Ask God to forgive you. And if it's possible to put it right. To give you the strength and the courage to do so. But also. Have a little think who could be in church today. Are you jealous for them with a godly jealousy? Is there someone you need to ring or contact or talk to? Commit yourself to do that now and keep that promise. 
Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Lord, we're trying to be honest with you and with each other and with ourselves. Help us, Lord, to see those things that you would have us do, to know those things you'd have us change. In Jesus' name, amen.